Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So as the people of God, we now come to our time in which we hear and we receive the word of God. We don't just hear it, but we receive it as truth and we let it form and shape our lives. And so today our scripture does come from Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 25. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men Bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So, Lord, we do just pray that the Spirit and the presence and your goodness that was present then would be present now, that the faith that was present then would be present now, and that your joy and your goodness that was present then would be present now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So my wife, Heather, and I, we thought it would be much needed and good for us to get away. And so we decided that we, would, we wanted to get away to, to some place that was very different than here. Um, and so we, we made plans a, a month ago or so to, to take a few days and head out to Estes Park, Colorado. 
we thought it would be beautiful to see the mountains, um, to be out and just sort of have uh, our space. We were going to stay at this YMCA of the Rockies. There was a lodge. There was no TV in the room. Um, they had all sorts of activities. We could be true outdoors people. Even though I like to call myself an avid indoorsman, we thought this would be a great time. And so uh, we, went up, uh, we went up there. And so Wednesday, we um, made our way up to the YMCA of the Rockies. Now, we knew that there was a, a fire to the north, the Cameron Peak Fire. And we knew about this troublesome fire that was um, out to the southwest. But um, when we got there on Wednesday evening, everybody seemed to be nice and relaxed. They said, oh, you know, we're, we're not worried about that. You know, we're, we're watching it. You know, we're paying attention. But we've been dealing with this Cameron Peak fire to the north of us since really August. Um, and so we're in a, in a safe and, and comfortable place. But we're going to keep an eye out and we'll let you know. And so uh, we were enjoying our time Wednesday night and Thursday morning. We, we went out and, and when we pull, drove up there, we could see the, the smoke. I mean, it was obvious where the, the fire was going. You could see it. There was this haze. And, and one of the interesting things was when we first got out of the car in Estes Park, we, we, it looked like it was snowing, but it was ash that was falling down. And the smell of a campfire was everywhere that you could be. This was a, a different sort of world. But then on Thursday morning, um, we went to a place and they said, hey, you guys are going to need to stay indoors, but we've got lots of indoor activities um, for you. And, and then uh, I said, well, do you think it's possible? Do you think it's likely? Do you think it's unlikely that we'd have to evacuate? And the lady uh, very calmly said, oh, I think it's you know, pretty unlikely that you'd have to evacuate. This was like at nine o'clock in the morning. So a few hours later, we're, we're actually in town and just doing some shopping and just kind of looking around and enjoying Estes Park. And, and, and Heather and I, we took this picture, I think we have, um, of us uh, just out there on the bridge, uh, just enjoying time. Um, it was nice to kind of have your mask on because it kind of warmed it up a little bit, right? Uh, for a while, the mask had been so hot, but this actually was a, a helpful um, thing for us. And so this was about at 1130. Right after we got this, right after we took this picture, I got a text that said there's a mandatory evacuation in Estes Park. And, um, and so we uh, were like, well, what do we do? So we, we, we take and we drive to the YMCA, and uh, I go to the kind of the front desk, and I say, hey, you know, we got this text in there. I'm like, is there anything we need to know? They said, just get out as soon as possible. <laughs> Those are not the words you want to hear, right? Get out as soon as possible. And so we, we drove from the administration building over to our lodge, and as we were driving, we saw staff people running. And, um, and we thought, oh, that as soon as possible. And, um, and so we packed up as fast as we could, and, and then we, um, we ended up, I mean, just getting on the road as soon as we can. And it was crazy how the skies changed from 11.30 until 2.30. And so I think this is a picture we have as we were driving out. This is 2.30 in the afternoon, and this picture doesn't even do it justice. It was like twilight at night because of the smoke that was all around. And, and, and we were driving out, and, and this was actually kind of once we got in the clear because it was bumper to bumper. We were sitting in Estes Park with all these other people trying to get out of town, people who were worried about their homes, their jobs, their security and safety. We're just on a trip Nowhere near the urgency that, that some of these people or the anxiety that some of these people I know had to be feeling, and, and we're evacuating town. Now, what was crazy as we were driving out was the number of people driving in. Um, and maybe there were some people who were going to you know, get their stuff or they were out of town or whatever, but um, almost so many of the vehicles that were driving in were first responders. 
There were fire trucks, police, sheriff, so many things driving into town. And, 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 uh, and there was already a, a high fire presence even staying there at the, um, at the YMCA that we were at the, as, a, as a home base for them. So many people had already come into it. But what is it about people, especially our first responders, that when everybody else is running away, they're running in? And the courage that it takes to fight an unwinnable battle against a fire. Um, what is it about that? I mean, the, the, they could not have expected or known what would happen, especially with this, what they called the East Troublesome Fire. You see, because on Wednesday, it was 19,000 acres had been burned. And by um, Thursday, it was 125,000 acres. And by Friday, it was up to 170,000 acres. And yet these people just kept moving in and moving in and moving in to fight this fire. We ran into some people um, at, a, at a city about an hour away who were, had been fighting the fire. And, and they said, we had never seen anything like this. And I thought, they'd been, they do this for a living, and they had never seen anything like this. And so um, I was just so honored and thank, thankful for all those people who came, even from other states and cities, to, to come and help to, to fight the fire. Um, so kids in box one, I'd like you to, to draw a picture of, of firefighters fighting um, a fire. And if you're a first responder or um, you know somebody who is, just thank you for, for what you do and for what you've done. Um, it certainly does make a difference. Um, and I couldn't help but think about, as, as all this was going on, I tried to shut my preacher brain off, but I couldn't because I knew I was preaching on this text about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego entering into the fire while we were escaping the fire. Entering into the fire. And so I have many different sort of brains that trigger in my mind. And one of the parts of my brain that fires at all times is a country music brain, all right? Particularly 1990s country music. And so I could not help but hear Garth Brooks in my head. We call them cool, those hearts that have no scars to show, the ones that never do let go and risk the tables being turned. We call them fools who have to dance within the flame, who chants the sorrow and the shame that always comes with getting burned. Standing outside the fire. Standing outside the fire. Life is not tried. It is merely survived if you're standing outside the fire. And as I think about the, the life of, of faith, as I think about what it means to be a Christian, as I think about what it means to really and truly live, it means to enter into the fire. It means going into the places in which people otherwise would not go. It means assuming risk. It means being courageous. And so uh, it, was, it was probably about six weeks ago or so, um, and I just sort of felt that, that the Lord was, was giving, giving us some direction as a church about what it is that we need to focus on for 2021. Um, and so 2020 has been the year of, of generosity, and that's been so good for us, and I've seen the fruitfulness of it in so many ways. But 2021 is going to be for us the year of courage. How is it that we as the people of God can bravely enter into a new world? What does it look like for us as individuals not to take the safe steps, but the courageous steps? Because faith truly lives when we take the courageous steps. And so here's my working definition of courage. Um, it's courage is bravely following Jesus into risk by trusting God, listening to God's insight, 
with consistent hope. And so today we're, we're really going to be talking about what does it mean to trust in God and what does this story teach us. And part of that is that, that to trust God means that we are going to step into risk. Um, vulnerability is a part of courage, is that we have to be exposed to some sort of meaningful risk if it's courage. If I'm not risking something, it's not courageous. If something isn't on the line, if I'm not stepping out into an unknown, it is not truly courageous faith. It's safe faith. But time and time again in Scripture, we see that God is calling people out into the waters, calling people deeper than their faith would take them by themselves, going to places that they otherwise would not go. And this is also a part of our generosity campaign. Um, and so every year, our, our church, we, we, we say, you know what, we believe that, that God is, is asking our people to sustain this church with our tithes and with our offering for a couple of reasons. One is because it's good for the church. It allows us to be able to do ministry. It allows us to be able to spread the love of God with the people in this church, but also with the community and with the world. But also, we believe it's good for you, that when we give generously, we are reminded that it's not about us but that it's about God, and that God is the ultimate one who everything belongs to. And to me, tithing is one of the best signs of courageous faith that there is. I know we have many people in this room who, who you've tithed faithfully and regularly for a year, that you've given 10% of your income, and, and I just want to say thank you for, for those of you who have done that, um, because you've stepped out in faith and you said, Lord, I'm going to live on 90 instead of live on 100%. And I know that that 10% could come in and handy from time to time. I know that that could make a difference. All right, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or what if this happens? But, but for people of God, they take that courageous step and they say, Lord, I'm going to give and I'm going to trust that you are going to take care of me. And so generosity and courage to me go hand in hand. Now, as we, as we look at this sermon series as a whole, I, I want to have a scripture of courage that's going to ground us. And it's, it's not the first scripture that came to my mind, but I think it's an important one. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and it says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And so each and every week, we're going to be talking a little bit about this text um, as, as sort of a basis for us with courage. Now, here's what I want to do um, to, to incentivize you. Some of you are scripture memory people, and so you maybe have already have this one memorized. You didn't need me to say it. You already knew it. But if you're not, I would encourage you to put this to memory. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if you are under 18 and you tell me the scripture, um, I will give you a prize, all right? Sometime during uh, these next uh, four weeks, if you tell me this scripture, all right, um, then, then I, will, I will give you a prize if you have it memorized, all right? If you're over 18, all right, I will um, give you a pat on the back, all right? Does that sound good? Um, but I really do think courage is, is summed up here in a lot of ways um, because it, it talks about a few different places in which we should have courage. It starts with courage with our heart. Now, it's interesting. The world says, oh, trust your heart. But that's not what the scriptures say. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And with courage with our heart means our, we place our trust in the Lord and not in our own emotions. 
all right? And because our emotions may, may drive us away from things. We're afraid, we're anxious, we're scared, we're nervous, we're unsure, and so we move away. But courage involves trusting in the Lord that says, Lord, if you are telling me to go into the fire, then we will go with you. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it goes on to say, and lean not on your own understanding. And so courage involves our head as well, all right, that it's trusting in God's insight instead of our own direction. You know, we, we say things like you can do anything you put your mind to, but that doesn't mean that's good for us, nor is that possible. What it says, what our scripture says is lean not on your own understanding. And so many of us, we get so used to leaning on our own understanding that we have forgotten the way to listen to the intuitive wisdom of God. And so are there times and places in which you're leaning more on your own understanding than you are on God's understanding? It talks about courage with our hands. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. In everything you do, in every, th- in every place you go, in every direction you take, in all your ways, everything that you do, it's not just about what you think, it's not just about what you feel, but it's also about what you do, is that we are called to offer everything we do to God. Instead of working for ourselves, you got to take care of yourself is what the world says. What the scripture says is you have to offer yourself to God. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he, and this is key, will make straight your paths. Is that we have to have courage when we receive God's help. Is that it's not just about what we are doing, but it's also about us receiving from God the fact that he will make straight our paths. And that means that we will bravely follow God into his preferred future instead of to our own plan. Now, this is part of something I think a lot of us do is we have a plan and we say, God, I hope you like my plan. All right. And, and, and I want you to bless my plan. But what it says is that he will make straight our paths. He will prepare the way. He has a future for us of, of who we become and thus then what happens to us. And we are called to follow him. And so this is what courageous faith is. It's about our heart, it's about our head, it's about our hands, and it's most of all about God's help. And I would imagine there are times in which you and I have been courageous. And so kids, in box two, I want you to draw or write about a courageous thing um, that you have done. Where's a time in which you've been scared and you've stepped in um, with bravery and with courage? Now, one of this great text of courage is about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, these, these three, uh, this kind of these three amigos, right? Um, but, but when I read this story, for some reason, I just cannot help but think about the classic VeggieTales story. Maybe some of you uh, watched it, Rack, Shack, and Benny. All right. Um, if you were in kids ministry or helped in kids ministry at some point in time, you might have watched uh, this, uh, this show about Rack, Shack, and Benny. And so if I happen to call them Rack, Shack, and Benny, you know why. All right. Um, but, but these three people, all right, not three vegetables, but three actual people were Jewish exiles who were living in a foreign land in Babylon. They had been taken from their homeland and they were living someplace in which their faith was not accepted in a good way. Now we, you and I have been so used to living in, 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 in the Bible Belt in the era of what, what historians would call Christendom, which is the assumption that people you meet are Christians and that the schedule and the way we live our world is Christian. So for a long, long time, nothing else was going on on Sunday morning because they knew nobody would show up. 
Nothing else would happen on Wednesday night because that was church night. Is that church had the hold of these two times. And the assumption, the norm, was that people were in church or were at least Christians. If you met somebody on the street, you would assume they were Christian. And, and, and some went to the Baptist church and some went to the Methodist church and some went to the Catholic church, all right? And some went to the assembly church or whatever it was, but you just assumed they were Christian. Historians now, they, they say that we're in a post Christendom world or a post-Christian world in which that is no longer the assumption and that's no longer the baseline. In fact, the largest group of religious affiliation in the United States today is none. There are more people who have no religious affiliation than have any religious affiliation. More people don't go to church on Sunday morning than go once a month or go every Sunday. More of your neighbors are at home not watching the service online, but not watching any service and haven't watched any service all year. And that's not something that's just happening out there, it's happening here. And, and, and as that becomes more and more the norm, that means a couple of things for us as a church. One is we can't assume that people are Christians or think good about Christians. We have to convince them that Christians are good and that God is good. And the other thing is that we have to expect that the world will get more hostile to Christians because it's not based on that. They're not expecting that. That's not the norm. That's not the assumption. And so these stories of courageous faith that we see even with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are actually going to be stories more and more that we are going to experience where people don't know who God is. They don't know who Jesus is. They don't know the stories. And if they do, they think negatively about Christians. And so in that world, there was another king, another leader, another God, if you will. If you were king, you were God, because if you said it, it happened. And so King Nebuchadnezzar thought of himself as a god. And he built a 90-foot gold image to show everybody how rich and how powerful and how much he was. And he expected people to worship the idol. That this sign, this golden thing, was a sign that I am more powerful than you and that you should do what I please. And so when the music went off, what that meant was everybody was to go and to worship. Now, here is the thing. If you're Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you're, you're Israelites, and you have this deep faith and this deep conviction, you find yourself in a place of being torn up. Because it says this in Exodus 24 through six. It talks about this in the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not make an idol, basically. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So do you hear what's happening here with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? On one side, Nebuchadnezzar makes this proclamation that if you do not bow down and worship me, you will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And on this other side, the Ten Commandments, the essential part of the law that you have probably memorized as a kid, said you shall not bow down and worship these idols. And if you do, I will punish the children for the sins of the parents of the third or fourth generation. But it's not just about the punishment, but it's also about the promise. But if you do honor me, if you do keep my commands, showing love to a thousand generations. 
So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a decision to make. Do I just, I can bow down and not worship, right? I can pretend to pledge my allegiance to, to Nebuchadnezzar, and I don't really have to mean it, right? I can, I can just bow down and assume people will assume what they will, but I don't have to mean it in my heart. Or do I take a stand for where my allegiance truly lies? And so while, imagine the scene when the trumpets blow and the harp and the lyre and everything happens and everybody bows down and faces this golden image, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand in opposition. The courage that that had to have had. They were brought before Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar basically says, you all know the rules, you know what you should do. And he says this words, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Who, is, who could do this? Do you see any other golden idols around here? Is there anybody more powerful that you can see? And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this was their response, and I love it. First, they say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. We have no need to answer you in this matter. Can you, um, can you believe that the king would be talked to in that way? I mean, the king is the one who speaks and people die. And here they say, we have no need to answer you in this matter. But if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Now, while they it's interesting to me because they still respected the king. They called him the king. They respected the, the power and the office that he had while, while, saying, while kind of not accepting the premise of his question. Is they're saying, you are the king and you, you govern, but you are not the Lord and you do not rule our hearts. You may govern this land, but you don't rule this place. And, this, and, and I love what they said about who does rule this place. And as, as I look at this text, it says there's a few things that I think matter. Um, it says, our God. It's not just somebody else's God, but it's, it's, it's our God. There is this closeness, there is this familiarity to it, that God is in our corner, that he is with us, and that he is not against us, that, that he is for us. And this is who God is, is that God wants you as Children, he loves you. He wants to spend time with you. He is our God. He belongs to us, and he is for you. And sometimes I think we get this image of a God who is against us and who wants to punish us. But, but really, even in that commandment where it talks about um, punishing to the third or fourth generations, but again, hear the contrast, a thousand generations for those who honor me, right? He is in our corner, and he wants to bless us. Our God, whom we serve, Part of what we do with God is that we serve God. If we are not serving God, then he's really not our God. He is just something we think about, not someone we live our lives for and to. And so we are called to serve him, to do things that bring him glory and that help other people to know his goodness. We serve him. It says God is able. Whom we serve is able, is capable he can save. He is mighty to save. He is good. And he is able to deliver us. He's able to set us free. But then they go on and they say these words. But if not, 
Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I mean, hear this incredible faith. We believe that God is able, our God is able to deliver us. But even if he doesn't, even if we, even if we perish, then we perish. But we will never worship and serve you. And, and this is the kind of faith that I want to have. Is this even if you don't faith. You see, because I think sometimes... All right, is that our faith in God is dependent on what just happened. All right, that we are convinced that God is only as good as our most recent answered prayer. And there are some of us who have been praying and praying and praying, and nothing has changed and nothing has happened. And thus we think, God, where are you? What are you doing? But, but the even if you don't faith says, Lord, even if the things that I want to happen don't happen, you are still God and you are still good. Because here is the truth, is that our hope is not in what God does for us, but in God. And so often we think about it as a transactional kind of relationship. God, I do these things for you. I pull the lever and then you give me what I want. When really what faith is all about is about a relationship. It's not about getting what we want because we would choose the wrong things. It's about getting what we don't deserve, which is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lord with us. Mercy Me sings a song called, Even If You Don't, and it says this, I know you're able and I know you can. Save through the fire with your mighty hand, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away if you'd just say the word, but even if you don't, my hope is you alone. So my friends, we're not always going to get the answers to our prayers, and I can't stand up here and tell you all the reasons why those things won't happen. But I can tell you that this is the kind of faith that I want, is that even if things, my prayers don't go answered the way I want them to, it doesn't change my belief and my conviction that God is still good, that he is still for us. There are mysteries I won't be able to solve on this earth, but God is with us. And that's what we see in the story. So they turn the heat up. Seven times what it normally is. They, they make it as hot as possible in there. In fact, it's so hot that the people who are, who are throwing these people into the fiery furnace, they burn up. And they bound them up and they put them in the fiery furnace. And the three become four. And instead of being bound, they're unbounded and they're walking around. And so kids, in box three, I want you to draw a picture of four men walking around in the fire. How extraordinarily odd would this have been? As they looked out and they saw four when they knew they put in three and not burning up. So they turned the, the fire off and they got them out and they didn't even smell like smoke. I can't even imagine that, just where we spent this past week, not even smelling like smoke. My clothes still smell like smoke. But they walked around the fire. And Nebuchadnezzar was in awe. Because when God moves, it causes the world to be in awe. 
and, and he, he repented and he worshiped. He repented in his kingly way, though. Let me read what it tells you in verse 329 about how much he was convinced that God is now God. Therefore, I make a decree, kings make decrees, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb. <laughs> like, like, all right, you know, like, all right, now I'm, I'm so convinced I'm on the other side, right? That if you disagree with me, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Their house is laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. I don't know about you, but I would struggle to have the courage of those three. I would struggle to have the courage that when faced with fear, when faced with death, I would choose God. That when said, who this day, whom will you serve? I probably would have thought, well, I could kneel and not worship. I could pretend and, and that way I get to live my life and, and I just know I won't do it in my heart. But to have the courage and the resolve of those people, what kind of faith is that? Is, is that even possible? A few weeks ago, I was sitting at breakfast with Joe, and we do breakfast from time to time, and I was telling him about this, and, and he, he reminded me of all the people who make that decision, of different martyrs that we have in this world. And I, I came across the, a story of Sister, and I'm probably going to butcher her name. Um, this is Sister Leona Seguarte. Um, she was a, a Catholic nun, um, and, and she devoted her entire life to other people. She was from Italy, but she spent over 20 years in Kenya, especially focused on the health care of women who were being underserved. She worked as a midwife for, for many years and, and worked in nursing there. Um, after her time in, in Kenya, she went to Somalia, a hostile place for, for, for Christians and for people of faith, to build a nursing school that would provide not only health care, but health jobs for other people. She went back to Italy in the March of 2006 um, on sabbatical. And while she was there, she did a television interview. And this is what she said. I know there is a bullet with my name on it. I don't know when it will arrive, but as long as it does not arrive, I will stay in Somalia. March of 2006. In September of 2006, Herself and her bodyguard were shot to death by religious extremists in the area. During that interview, she said these words, I cannot be afraid and at the same time love. And I choose to love. So she went into the fire. I know there's a bullet with my name on it. I choose to love. And she embodied that with her final words. Because after she was shot and as she was on the ground dying, her final words were the greatest words of love that she could say. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. That's courageous faith. That is trusting God. Even if you don't live, you live. Because we believe as the people of God is that that sister is more alive now than she's ever been. And that her legacy of faith extends way beyond. 
We talk about the, the faithfulness to a thousand generations. Think about how long Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story has gone on and the faithfulness of the story has gone on and continues to inspire us now. I have no idea how many generations away. Because courageous faith is a faith that lasts and that moves on and that takes us from one place into another. And you see what happens is, is that fire can either destroy us or refine us. It can either take us down or make us new. And so whenever we go into the fire with Jesus is, is that we are safe and that God is going to move us into a new direction and that we are going to come out on the other side. We may not always know what that other side will look like, but it is going to be someplace that's better. Now, let me be clear. Better does not mean your life is better. It means your relationship with God is better. Because when you go through something with somebody, it improves it. I think about the people that I've, I've done different things with over time. And, and one of the things I think about is this church. We've gone through this COVID-19 pandemic together. And we're going to be a stronger church because we did it together. Together-ish at times, but together. And so when we get back to the time, we're going to remember, remember how frustrating it was. Remember how hard it was. Remember the decisions we had to make. Remember how lonely we were, but we did it together. And so as a people of God, we need to step out into faith. And so kids in box four, I want to invite you to, to draw a ride about someplace that you need to have courage, that you are being called to step out. And most of us avoid being courageous because we don't like pain. But courage is only possible where pain is present. If pain is not part of the situation, it is not courage. But the greatest things happen when we go through something. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be looking at various times and places in which people had courage. But here's the good news. We sang our faith earlier. There's another in the fire. Sometimes the worst thing about pain is going through it alone. But the good news for those of us who have Jesus is that we never go through it alone. In that song we, we sang earlier, it says, There is a grave that holds no body. Now that power lives in me. Because Jesus Christ was courageous and modeled faith for us, that he came from heaven to earth, that he went from the comforts of heaven to the misery of earth, that he went from pleasant, relaxed life, like vacation, right? I sort of imagine like heaven, like this ultimate vacation place to the fire of earth so that he could save us. He is with us. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he says these words at the end of his life. Best of all, God is with us. I don't know where you need to have courage. I don't know where you need to place your trust in God and, and what God is calling you to walk through or to walk in. But I believe that, that he will call you, he will lead you. And best of all, God will be with you. That you can trust that, no that when you follow Jesus bravely, he will guide you and direct you. So what I want us to do right now is just spend a little bit of time in prayer. Um, you're invited to come to the altar. You're invited to pray there at your seat or in your living room. And just to receive these promise. 
that God is for us and he's with us. And, and so let us go to him now. So Lord Jesus, Lord, we, we find ourselves afraid, anxious, scared, nervous, unsure. But we believe in your word and in your truth and in your promises. So Lord, right now I pray for the people here that are watching this, who are, who are, who are participating and who are saying, Lord, I'm, I'm giving you this time. And, and maybe there is an area in our life in which you are calling us to be courageous for. That you, we are calling, you are calling us to step out in faith, to step out into a place where pain is possible, to step out into the unknown. And Lord, we've been saying no, 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 no. So God, we, we just pray that you would begin to help us to trust you with all of our heart. That we would lean not on our own understanding, but that we would acknowledge you in all of our ways and everything we do and trust that you will make straight our paths. So Lord, we give you this time and we give you praise and glory and wonder that you paid it all for us that you courageously sought us out and have rescued and delivered us from the fiery pit because you want to be with us. May we be with you now. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.